So the closer we get to Christmas, invariably the closer my mind or the, the more my mind turns to presents. Anybody else? You like presents at Christmas time? Is it just me? Is it okay for me to admit that? I still, yes, I'm a grown man and I still, I still like presents. I still like being surprised by them, opening them up. Uh, some of you know that I've been teaching a uh, Bible class and, uh, for, for a small Christian school uh, this past ac- ac- academic year, at least for this, you know, this academic year. And uh, I have never in my life gotten as many thank you gifts as a teacher, just teaching a few times a week. I, I hope this is a thing that happens to all teachers because I have, I have grown in my appreciation for how much time and effort teachers put into what they do uh, for their classrooms. But I, I have never had so many cookies and candy as I do right now in my house. And I'm not sure what I'm going to do about them. Uh, actually, I know exactly what I'm going to do. I'm going to eat them. Uh, and I'm going to love every second of it. Uh, we also, uh, you know, one of, this, one of the things that we find ourselves doing a lot, especially this year's, we, you guys ever done white elephant before? You know, white elephant gift exchange. You guys know what I'm talking about. I know there's a couple different uh, terms for that. Renee, Renee and I went to um, the staff Christmas party for the school, and we were there uh, with all the other teachers. I, just to give you a little bit of context, I was the only man in the room. And uh, <clears throat> playing white elephant. So as you can imagine, a lot of variety in the gifts uh, that are there. And I had one of the middle numbers, and so my time came, and I was kind of looking around, and <laughs> it wasn't really much I wanted to steal at, at that point. <laughs> so I decided, I looked over at the tree, and I could kind of tell there was this nice little, it was like a Christmas pine a tree that was kind of wrapped up in a, in a clear you know, trash bag or something like that. So I was like, man, I, I like plants, so I'm going to go for that. So I went, thought it was a safe bet. I miss... Uh, I misunderstood the power of the plush blanket, though. And let me, let me just kind of explain. Like, the plush blanket had already been discussed as we were playing the game. I mean, people were talking about, well, you, there hadn't been a whole lot of stealing that happened just yet. Uh, but people said, well, if there's a plush blanket, you know, under the tree, you, it's just best to watch out, okay? Uh, so I got this little pine tree, thought it was a safe bet. I was towards the end. Um, and then somebody goes, they pick up a gift under the tree, and they pull out of the bag this, you guessed it, really nice plush blanket. Well, I just, the whole room went, went a flutter, <laughs> you know, for, for the plush blanket. And, uh, and I, I didn't think much of it, uh, but then it was my wife's turn. And she was the last, she was the last uh, number, so she was almost the final person to be able to steal. Number one gets to do that at the end if you've ever played it. You know how that works. Well, she went straight for that plush blanket. And it wouldn't be such a bad thing, but <clears throat> that meant that retribution was swift and terrible right after that. Because the person that she took the plush blanket from, you know what they did? They came and took my little pine tree. <laughs> and I can feel, I just, I feel the love. Thank you. Thank you so much. And so I'm looking around, and I'm like, I'm in a room full of women, and, um, and I, I recognize that I'm kind of in the danger zone at this point, you know? So I kind of walk around and kind of jokingly look like I'm about to steal something, and I just saw, I saw the looks that I was getting, so, uh, you know, the, uh, anyway. Uh, so there's one gift under the tree, so I go over there, I go get that gift, I bring it back, and I start pulling out the gift, and um, I should have I brought it so I could show it to you. A lovely, uh, beautiful, feminine coffee mug, <laughs> it's gorgeous, and, um, and just a beautiful, like, colored gel pen set, you know, which, which I, I, that was, that was nice. Um, lovely uh, scripture bookmarks, uh, full of flowers and, you know, bumblebees and cotton candy and rainbows, whatever. Um, and then at the bottom, the, 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 the best gift, 
the best two gifts, I start pulling out this contraption, and I, and I bring it out here. It's a chain, and it's just, the, it's just a necklace with a bunch of stuff hanging all over it. <laughs> and uh, so I held it up to everybody. They thought that was great. Uh, and then there's this little box. It was this matching set of earrings, you know. So, so that's, what, uh, that's what I got. Um, but Renee got the blanket. She got what she wanted, so I guess it all, all worked out. Uh, some, some, gifts, some gifts are a little bit better than others. Some, uh, you know, spark a little bit more joy than others. They thought it was pretty funny that that's what I got. Um, I think we got another white elephant <laughs> coming up, so I got something for that. As a kid, though, like ever since I've been a kid, I've loved the anticipation of ra- unwrapping a gift. And I remember some k- key things that I got as a kid. I remember getting a, getting a bike for Christmas. That was amazing. The gift that stands out to me the most was the, when I got the original Nintendo Entertainment System as a kid, and I got to unwrap that, and uh, that was incredible. You got Mario, and you got Duck Hunt. You got two video games, and it was amazing, and I remember that. Um, Beyond that, though, and I know there have been a lot of gifts over the years, there's not a whole lot of gifts I remember. Um, And I don't know how I feel about that. I I don't know about you. Like, maybe in your head you think about, oh, I just know the best gifts that I've ever received. But do you remember what you got last year? Because I'm not not sure if I do. Or do you remember, maybe you remember the biggest gift that that you got last year. But what about, did you get four? You know, do you remember the fourth one or the fifth one or the... The last one you get. Do you remember what that is? And, and where is it now? Where's that thing that you got now? Like, I'm sure I know every single time I've unwrapped a gift, I've been happy, I've been excited, I've been thankful. Um, almost every gift I've gotten, I've felt that, I've, I felt that way. Um, <clears throat> but man, there's a lot that are probably just gathering dust somewhere, or that I've never thought about since then. And the reason that I, I bring this up is because a, a lot of our celebration that comes during this time of year is wrapped up in a lot of temporary things. Things where we get really excited about it, and it's great, and we enjoy that, and there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. Like, this is not a sermon about why we shouldn't give gifts. We should absolutely give gifts. Gifts are amazing. They're fun, incredible. They spark joy, and, that, and that's, that's, that's great. But maybe a lot of what we do is not wrapped up in things that are sustainable, for creating joy in our lives. So maybe uh, something that we can do, especially as we look at the story of Jesus' birth and how God announces it, maybe something that we can do is, is uh, maybe incorporate just a little bit more sustainable joy in this cre- Christmas season for us. We spend hundreds of billions of dollars on Christmas in our country. Hundreds of billions of dollars. And I don't know, like maybe, maybe you are happier this time of year than you are any other. But I know for a lot of people, they aren't. And in fact, uh, what they really are are just more in debt than they would like to be. I know for some of us, give, gift giving is one of our love languages. It's how we honor others. But this morning, as we're continuing this series, Twas the Night Before, some of us get stuck in the night before without a full appreciation of the celebration of Jesus' arrival because we wrapped up our happiness in paper and string. You know, the, the average amount that Americans are going to spend on Christmas continues to climb, especially depending on how much you make per year. I mean, the numbers become astronomical. It's, it's like the average across all Americans expect to at least spend $1,000 on Christmas. And the more you make, the more you tend to spend. And so at some point, we've got to ask this question, especially people who've been called to a different type of life, living in a different kingdom, is spending money the best way we can celebrate the birth of Jesus, or is there something else? Consumerism is like just one of the things that we participate in our society. That's just, it just comes with being an American, the preoccupation with the acquisition of goods. It establishes this, this 
kind of expectation that if I can simply unwrap the right present or get it for myself, I will be satisfied. But the truth is, if you put your happiness in only temporary things, you will end up with only temporary happiness. And that's, that's not what Christmas is meant to be. There's meant to be some sustainable joy that we get to hold on to and celebrate in our lives because of Jesus' birth. And so this morning, we're going to check out how God revealed Jesus' birth to a group of shepherds. And this is in Luke chapter 2. If you have your Bibles with you, you can go ahead and turn to that. Uh, at this point, Joseph and Mary have traveled 90 miles to this little town called Bethlehem. And Jesus has been born, and they're hanging out um, in this place. I know a lot of times we think about this as an inn, uh, but more likely, inns were kind of a Roman thing for a big, big city, so more likely that they were there with some distant relative in the center place of their household where they would keep their livestock. And so they're there, they've had Jesus, and here's what happens that night. Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 8. In the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen, as it had been told to them. Um, it was not normal that the shepherds were the one who got the birth announcement. I mean, when, when you're thinking about the type of people that were important enough to ha- receive this incredible inf- information that the Messiah had been born, the, the, the Messiah had come, uh, the shepherds are not the first people that you would think of, oh, th- like these are the people who are going to know, these are the people who God is going to invite to the birthday party for his son, Jesus, because they didn't have anything to offer. They had nothing to bring to the table. They were dirty, they were smelly, they were unclean. I mean, surely, surely God would celebrate this joyful moment in a different way. If you're going to Uh, If you're going to celebrate and announce Jesus' birth, I mean, maybe you would pick the temple priests or the teachers of the law or the Pharisees. I mean, these were the people who were in power for the Jewish people. They were the ones who were supposed to be looking for the Messiah. They were the ones who told the people how to believe in God, what to believe in God, and how to relate to God. But at this point in history, they had grossly misunderstood that following God wasn't about ritualistic holiness. It has always been about the righteousness that he gives. And so God sending a birth announcement to the shepherds that night wasn't just because he has a great sense of humor, which I absolutely think he does, and this is one of the reasons why he does this. I mean, seriously, how many angels thought that this was great? You know, of all the people, like, look, oh, there's shepherds at, at night, you know, with their flocks. We, I mean, we get to scare them like crazy. I mean, this is going to be great. I mean, the best gotcha moment you can possibly, uh, possibly have. Uh, but God's good news of great joy the shepherds being the ones who were told this and told to go celebrate Jesus' birth um, in this way, it, it, it's, it, taught, it teaches us that God's good news of great joy really is for all people. 
I mean, even people who, who didn't deserve to come, I and mean, this is how they would have been viewed. They didn't deserve to come and celebrate in this way. People who had nothing to offer, yet they're the ones who get Jesus' birthday party invitation. And I think this is something that's difficult for us to understand, that, that God doesn't, he doesn't reach out to us because he needs to. Um, God, God is not lonely. You know, God shares of himself because he, he loves us. And because he wants to give us something that's far better than anything that we could ever have or give or receive on our, on our own. Um, God sends this no gifts, please, birthday invitation. You guys, have you guys ever done that? You have like a birthday party? I'm, Renee and I would do this for our kids. We would have a birthday party for our kids. And we wanted to make sure that people knew, hey, you don't have to bring a gift to come to this. Like there, there's no obligation. So we just say no gifts, please. And, and every single time, and this drove me nuts. Renee was totally cool with it. She was fine with it. But um, it, would dry, it would drive me nuts. People would come in and say, where's the, where's the table for the gifts? I'm like, well, uh, we told you don't bring any, so you can just take that home with you. You know, that was like, I hope you kept the receipt. You know, it was kind of my reaction. Renee was like, oh, well, we can put it over here, you know, that, that kind of thing. Because, and, and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with wanting to give somebody something. That, that's not what I'm saying. But I think, I think we misunderstand sometimes, like, what the most important thing that we're doing or giving in that moment really is. Like, it's not the thing that we bring. It's, it's the fact that we brought ourselves. Because that's all we have to offer that is really meaningful and that really lasts in somebody else's life. And so we can't, we can't buy happiness. We can't give somebody happiness. But, man, we can, um, we can embody joy and share that with someone. And I think God recognized and knew that sharing this birth announcement with this group of people who had nothing to offer, who had nothing to bring, would, would, would kind of solidify and teach us that that's what this season is, is really all about. It's not about what we have to bring to the table, but it's about what he brings to the table. A lot of people spend a lot of money that they don't have to have a Merry Christmas. Um, you know, if you look over the statistics of how much money we spend on Black Friday versus how much we give charitably in our country, if you look at all the food waste that, I mean, um, the amount of food waste, and this is from a few years ago, um, nearly, nearly 40% of our food in this country is wasted. Like, we, we, we don't take care of those things. Um, some of the wealthiest nations in the world waste almost as much food as that is produced in all of sub-Saharan Africa. Like just the way that we think about happiness and acquiring things and the things that are supposed to be sustainable in our lives, um, nearly half of the world's toys are in America. Despite making up just over 3% of the global population of children, American kids consume 40% of the world's toys. Right, so, so again, the thing... I, I'm all for opening up, like, I, I hope I get a Lego set, you know, this, I mean, I, my parents, like, always give me a little, little tiny Lego set, just because that's what I loved as a kid, and so, man, that's going to be great, I'm, I'm, I'm going to love that, that's going to be incredible, um, but that is not the thing that produces all of my happiness, and, and when you start talking about how much consumer debt, on average, Americans have during this time of year, because we're trying to buy happiness for and with one another, um, especially when you compare that to the median uh, household income for the global population, we're almost, on average, as, in, as much in debt as other people make in just one year in other parts of the world. Part of the anticipation of the Advent season, being um, 
celebratory, looking forward to Jesus coming, the fact that he has come and he's coming again, is removing the distractions that keep us from participating in the joy of the season. You know, these shepherds dropped what they were doing, and what they were doing was pretty important and pretty significant, uh, because they were watching everybody's sheep. <laughs> you leave, and that's going to that's gonna kind of disrupt the economy there if all the sheep get eaten or stolen or taken away. And there's probably one or two that drew the short straws and had to stay behind with the sheep. But they dropped everything, and they went to see what God had made known to them. The priests and the Pharisees, these other people that we would expect that God would tell about the birth of his son, they would have politicized Jesus. They would have used him as a political weapon. Um, not that anybody would do that these days. Uh, they would have brought him up in the best of circumstances, given him the best food, the best accommodations, given the best instruction, given the best the world had to offer him because it's not difficult to fall into the trap of thinking, man, if I just had the right circumstances... If I had the right stuff, if I had the right amount of money or the right tools or the right thing or the right situation, man, I would be good to go. I'd finally be happy. But that's a misunderstanding about happiness works, at least the way that, you know, uh, happiness, uh, temporary happiness works. Because happiness is slippery. You know, we get something, we open up that gift and we forget about it later and we look for the next thing that kind of gives us the endorphin rush. I mean, that's just, that's just kind of what we do. Happiness uh, when we get it uh, by uh, pursuing everything that the world has to offer, we're just looking for the next good feeling. And we get trapped in the rut of looking out for ourselves and what's going to look at, how, how I can look out for me and get what I want. And I'm not saying that God doesn't love happy moments for us. Absolutely, I think, I think God derives joy from us feeling happiness. Like that's, that's an emotion that He creates for us. Um, but what He wants for us is to know where sustainable happiness comes from. And sustainable happiness comes from the joy that God gives us, not from something that we buy or acquire or pursue on our own. It can be found, just joy, joy can be found even when life doesn't go how we'd hope, because the joy that God offers us isn't temporary. Happiness can be, but the joy that God offers us is constant when it's based on what God is up to. I mean, the religious leaders of the day at this point, I mean, you see the interaction that Jesus has with them. They completely missed the point of what it means to relate to God and what he's created them for. In Hosea chapter 6, 6, I mean, this is way before um, any of these, you know, the pharisaical teachings and these 600 plus extra laws had come that they, had, uh, they were kind of tying the people down uh, at, at this point. Um, even 400 years plus before all of that. Hosea was watching Israel go from prosperity to, to moral decay, and it's because they misunderstood that God wasn't just looking for gifts and sacrifice from them. In Hosea 6.6, 6, God says, I desire steadfast love or mercy, and not sacrifice, the knowledge of God rather than burnt offerings. The people thought that they could earn God's favor by their gifts, by their sacrifice, and yet the people completely missed that God was pursuing them for relationship, not based on what they had done, but what God was doing for them. You know, the shortest, each, each Sunday we've kind of read like a short version of a Twas the Night Before Christmas poem. This is the shortest one we're going to read because this is the announcement from the angels in verse 14 of chapter 2. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. And if you find yourself in the night before struggling to hold on to joy or to find happiness because you've looked in, it every, in every other place and found it to be fleeting, man, remember this story in the night before to anticipate the joy in the morning, morning. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. 
There's nothing amazing the shepherds had done to deserve this announcement. God isn't meant to be worshipped because their lives were improved by following him perfectly and because they had earned his pleasure as a result of that. This was God's way of saying that he was providing the ultimate joy for the world. Our joy has nothing to do with what we can get or give. It comes from what God has already given. And I think there's another reason that God specifically announces to the shepherds that Jesus had come. Bethlehem was about five to six miles south of Jerusalem, where the temple was, where sacrifices were being made daily. And it's very possible that these sheep that these shepherds were caring for just outside of the city were eventually meant to be offered up as a sacrifice to roll back the sins of those offering it. That's, that's why these animals were sacrificed in the temple system in the Old Covenant. And yet on this night... The perfect sacrifice was born to take away the sins of all people and provide peace and joy to all who choose to follow him. In John chapter 1, verse 29, the next day John sees Jesus coming toward him and he says, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Later on in John chapter 10, verse 11, Jesus gives one of his seven I am statements that's in the gospel of John. He says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Christmas, the Advent season, is a lot more than just about the birth of Jesus. It's also about the expectant hope of the joy of all of humanity. And the free gift of grace, mercy, and love that is given through Jesus by a holy and righteous God provides the only source of sustainable joy that isn't contingent upon what we can have or get or give or receive. And so if you find yourself in a place where sometimes Christmas seems, uh, the joy of Christmas seems a little bit more elusive, I'm going to encourage you to, um, to, take, to take note from the shepherds and to recognize the joy that's found in the birth and announcement of Jesus and to stop and maybe put down what you're doing and go participate in the joy that God is offering. Because the way that we do that is not kind of sit and wait and hope that we get something from someone that makes us feel what we want to feel but it's by actively participating in the joy that God gives. Um, maybe maybe this, this Christmas, maybe you're going to get the best gift ever. Um, maybe you're going to be incredibly happy. But I know at some point, even if it's a couple weeks from there, maybe it's a few months later, that, that happiness will begin to fade, and it will never hold a candle to the joy God calls us to participate in by giving from the more than enough that we receive from him. And so um, I just want to encourage you to maybe think a little bit differently about happiness and joy uh, this Christmas. Uh, maybe participate in a, in a different way. Um, it's something that we've tried to model as a church during, during this, this Christmas season. Yesterday, uh, we participated in Moments of Hope like we do every other month. Um, many of you uh, fixed cornbread and pasta salad and came and put... Um, uh, put the meal together and went and served. You served 595 people, right? So when we're talking about, and that's fine. Like I, I love, I love that we celebrate it and 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 clap for that. That that like that's a really good thing. We gave away 600 meals. 595 people were served, um, and so uh, to to me. That's the kind of stuff, especially as a church, but as people who are responding to the joy of Jesus coming, like that's the sustainable stuff that God calls us to participate in that sparks joy, a lasting and sustainable joy, is that people who are hungry were fed. Um, many of you participated in helping single moms 
uh, provide gifts for their children. Um, Sylvia uh, sent me an update on, on, on all of that. 29 families were helped and 50 children were helped through that, who, who otherwise would just have a different experience. Again, it's, it's not about the gifts, but it is about the meaningfulness and taking time out of our own lives, kind of putting down our own things and participating in the lives of other people that help produce sustainable joy um, in their lives. Um, and finally, just, just in general, a, as a church, one of, the, one of the most joyful things that we can participate um, is sharing Jesus with others, helping people find Jesus and love God. Like, that's, that's our mission. And what we know is, is that um, as we do that and when people find Jesus, like, we, we know that heaven stops and puts everything down and celebrates when that happens. You know, a couple weeks ago, um, Jerry and Stacy were, were baptized. Amazing celebration for that. Heaven stopped and celebrated. Uh, this morning, uh, some of you may have noticed that the, the baptistry is up here. Caitlin and Lauren are actually going to be baptized uh, this morning, so like right, right, right after service. And um, this, the, type of, the type of joy that God calls us into is an, an, an eternal one. It's one that, that doesn't fade. It's a joy that not only happens for this moment when we celebrate someone's baptism and, and saying yes to Jesus, but also that's, a, that's, a, um, that's not something that just happens here, but something that continues on throughout all of eternity. And that's the kind of joy that the birth of Jesus is meant to, is meant to impact us. Um, it's meant to be sustainable. It's meant to be something that carries on with us uh, for the rest of our lives and on into eternity. It's the type of, um, it's the type of gift that God wants us uh, to experience and to receive and to give. Let's pray. God, we thank you for uh, the gift of your son, Jesus. And God, we just uh, we ask that you help us to have the uh, type of perspective that only you can give to help us to see uh, maybe beyond what's happening in our life right in this moment or beyond our circumstances or b beyond what we have or don't have and just simply uh, be able to see what you have given. And God, help us to, to, to be able to rest on that foundation of joy, of, of sustainable happiness in knowing that you have provided everything that we could possibly need. Not, not because we deserve it, not because there's anything that we've done to receive it, but because you freely give that to us because of how deeply you love and care for your creation. And God, we praise you for that. We ask that you uh, give us the wisdom and um, help us to see the opportunities to be able to share that joy with others, um, especially during this, this time of year, but uh, throughout, all of our, throughout all of our lives. God, we praise you for this. We honor you. We give you the glory. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.